a big announcement today from the U.S. Department of Energy. Last week at the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory in California, scientists at the National Ignition Facility achieved fusion ignition. And that is creating more energy from fusion reactions than the energy used to start the process. Yeah, all right. For the first time, researchers at that lab in California that you just heard produced more energy in a fusion reaction than was used to ignite it. This achievement marks a major breakthrough in the decades-long quest to harness the process that powers the sun. But what does it mean? What does it mean for you? What does it mean for me? Let's find out with Gordon McBean, who is professor. Professor Emeritus with the Department of Geography and Environment at Western University. Gordon, welcome to 630 Chad in Edmonton. Oh, good. Thank you very much for calling me. Always great to talk to Edmonton. <laughs> I, I'm going to hope that you uh, can explain this in, a very sim in very simple ways for us this afternoon. What is fusion energy? From what I understand, it's combining two particles into one. Well, that's exactly right. It's a process by which you initiate things using lasers or other forms to give it enough energy that two particles will merge into one. And in that process of creating a, a basically a new particle, you create a lot of energy within it in the formation of it, which gives off so much heat. And it, quite frankly, the way the sun works, the sun is at temperatures of 5,000 degrees Celsius or more. Uh, and it gets that heat by having these internal fusion processes within it. And you know, scientists have been trying for decades uh -huh. to see if we can do it. But, uh, well, I'm not a nuclear physicist myself. I'm more of a climate change physicist. But nonetheless, it's a process by which is I'm very optimistic uh, and quite pleased to hear about it. And I know the Lawrence Livermore Laboratory. I visited there some years ago and had a chat with the director uh, and it's an impressive place and the fact that they've done this step is the first of several steps that need to be done in the process of then going on but nonetheless it's it's good news it's a big step so Gordon curious I, I've heard I heard this described today um, that uh, fusion energy described as the holy grail of energy why why is this um, so exciting what what can this potentially do for uh, all of us and the earth well what it can do is it can replace the amount of energy we presently uh, use in terms of by quite frankly burning coal oil gas fossil fuels in our automobiles but also in our in, in producing electrical power in systems that in many places in the world are still you know through uh, coal-fired generating stations that create enough heat and energy which creates steam which then you get it to turn turbines around and that creates electrical energy now the idea of this process is that this nuclear fusion process could create that even put well, more uh, energy that would then create the evaporation of water and steam that could then generate the motions that would in fact create electric power like we need for our society. So it's a replacement process that from a, as a climate change scientist I find very encouraging. I'm optimistic. I've, there's been these ideas before and I've, let's say some of them 
I didn't think when I heard about it, they sounded very good. And this one, just from the source of the people that are doing it, the way it's described, I'm more encouraged. G- Gordon, why has it been such a challenge to get to this point? Well, it's a process of very detailed chemistry and, or let's say, physics within a, uh, a very small set of particles and and. You know, literally scientists have been trying this for years using lasers and other forms of energy to try and cause these two different types of particles, and you're working on ones that are, uh, uh, well, quite frankly, deuterium and tritium, which are both isotopes of hydrogen Hmm. molecules, and you, you, first of all, you have to find, get some of those, and they're not easy to come by. And then you have to work together to get them, to energize them enough that they then merge. And in that process of the physics of it is that they give off all this energy that they had between them in this process. And so it's, uh, it's been a complicated process that, uh, you know, I mean, as I say, the sun's been doing it for <laughs> <laughs> millennia, so, uh, but nonetheless, us, uh, well, say I'm not a nuclear scientist by my own personal training. I did my PhD in physics. Okay. But, uh, but that wasn't what I stuff. studied. Yeah. But it's exciting, and yeah. it's, it's really, and it's going to be, you know, it's not going to happen just overnight, because, yeah. first of all, we... It, you know, even the, the stories out of the Lawrence Livermore labs is that it, this is a decades kind of process. It is, you know, one or two or three decades before you could actually go from the point of view of doing it in a laboratory to, let's say, implementing it in a North American continent. In Canada and the United States, we have the technology, the wisdom, the facilities in order to make it happen, and the electric grids of things with our electric power lines that. Uh, could then be used to transfer this around. Unfortunately, in some parts of the world, you know, the power state, you know, the the, mm-hmm. the energy that people have is is very localized, and it's just not going to be so easy to convert it. It all uh, has to start somewhere, though, doesn't it, Gordon? It has yes, to start somewhere. Well, that's somewhere. right, and and I think uh, I'm pleased that. Uh, you're not old enough to remember when Sputnik was launched in <laughs> 1957, but I am. I was old enough that I was standing on the porch as a kid with my mom and dad and my two brothers watching this dot go through the sky. And when I looked into it years later, I thought, my God, that thing was put up there by the Russians. Mm-hmm. And the Americans had been trying to build one and were not able to get mm-hmm. it to go. In this case, Maybe the Russians have been trying to do this, too. I'm yeah. guessing they have been. But the American scientists have come through, and they're working together, and they're in a better, let's say, ongoing framework of society. And and I think it's very important to understand the societal implications, not only in, North, in Canada and the United States, but in China and India mm-hmm. and developing countries in Africa and Asia that are Oh, just barely able to survive on the energy they have now. If you try and replace this all with a whole new system, it's something we need to be really concerned about in terms of implementation in a global society sense. Gordon, one of the things, and I wanted to ask you about this, um, because I heard it talked about uh, a lot yesterday and today. Um, compared to um, nuclear energy, um, fusion energy, um, 
it, it creates light less waste so long term yeah. that is also very good that that's huge yeah that's excellent when i first heard this story i mean quite frankly i heard a call immediately from somebody saying well from our media people at the university saying you know that there's going to be we we hear there's going to be this story coming yeah. out and i was actually had been on committees international scientific committees dealing with nuclear energy from well, what you were just talking about yeah. and uh, one of the huge issues still in Ontario of is course. that we have all this nuclear power producing you know fossil fuel free energy but at the same time there has never been a really good solution as to what you do with all the waste mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. just being stored temporarily here and it's now temporarily been there for 30 years yeah, yeah. and so we have it's a different situation and we've had these kind of things as i was saying to someone else i was talking to is that you know i've been involved in the climate change issue since the 80s and on various committees and people were at meetings two decades ago and three decades ago would come up with this idea that they'd heard of well we can solve the solve the the fossil fuel problem not by actually changing the fossil fuel generation but by just putting firing rockets up into the atmosphere and will cause all this uh, rain to come down in a way that'll take all the co2 out of it and i said but that will create acid rain coming down yeah. on everything and that's going to create even more of a problem <laughs> so don't, let's not go that way Gordon? and there were similar other ones but that one was the one that's easier to talk about oh fascinating stuff um and you know i suspected that uh, as you said we're a long way away and uh, still a lot to learn and i guess the cost uh, amount on this would be something that we'd have to watch very closely uh in years yeah, the ahead transition costs will not be inexpensive yeah. <laughs> but again uh, baby but steps here. <laughs> gordon mcbean it's been a pleasure speaking with you this afternoon thank oh, you thank you anytime yeah. i'm very interested in chatting with you kind of people because you then help us all communicate and discuss this with our societies i appreciate it gordon mcbean joining me this afternoon uh, from western university as we talk about the fact that scientists announcing that for the first time producing more energy in a fusion reaction than what is used to ignite it interesting stuff uh still a long way to go though